In the main episode with Misha Smith, we got a bit carried away and we started reminiscing about our early days in Saigon and some of the places we used to go to that aren't here anymore. So I took that out of the main episode because it's not really of much use to tourists if you're visiting Saigon and you want to learn more about what there is to do in Saigon and we're talking about things that aren't here anymore. But I really loved our conversation about it. So we're going to add this as an extra special bonus episode called Discover Old Saigon. I know it's not old, old Saigon, but this uh, we talk about things that existed about eight years ago and they're really, really cool places. So have a listen, check them out. If you were here about eight years ago, then you maybe know these places. And if you're visiting for the first time, then one of them still exists and you can go check them out, although it's not as cool as it used to be. Enjoy. Two points there. One, Rumba yeah. was one of my favorite places to go when I first got here. Oh, yeah. So one of my friends, he had pretty recently moved to, to Saigon from uh, Vumtau, which is a little beach town a few hours out. Um, and one of his, he, he was messaging me, my friends are trying to take me to this place called the Rumbar. Is it any good? And I was like, just go. Yes, go. He's like, so it's good? I'm like, I don't want to tell you anything about it. I just want you to go with your friends and have an awesome time. Trust me, you're going to love it. And after he experienced it, he's like, I get it. Okay. Because it's, it's, it's so, it was so unassuming. And like, if there was, you know, there's a little Vietnamese restaurant next door that had the, the small plastic chairs and, and uh, metal tables. But the rum bar itself, like if there was nobody there, it's, it, it doesn't exist. But once one customer shows up, I remember I went with, uh, I had a Viet Q landlord and uh, him and I and, and uh, one of our friends, we rolled up one night. It was a little late. We weren't sure if they'd be open. They weren't open. He shouts up in Vietnamese to the old lady who lived literally upstairs. Um, and they had a short conversation and then she came down and brought us two bottles and set up the table and the chairs for us. And I asked him what, it, what, what they talked about. And he said, she just asked how many bottles we would agree to buy and i'm like what'd you tell her he said i we're gonna start with two and then we'll probably have two more <laughs> it's just like, that's enough to get her out of bed <laughs> love it you just reminded me of something there though i remember telling a friend we're gonna go to rumba mm. and we met there and it's a plastic stool place it's on the street it's completely unassuming it's not a bar yeah no it's yeah. It's, it's it's chairs on a street yeah. yes yeah he thought we were going to a cocktail bar. Up real nice. No, no, he didn't dress up really nice, but really surprised when I was like, oh, we're here. And he's like, I thought we were going to a rum bar. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, sorry. This is what it's called. For me, that's some of my favorite memories of early Saigon when I first got here are at rum bar. So uh, it's still there, by the way. We drive, we, oh, yeah. I've drove by it and check, checked it out, but it's, it's much smaller now. So if anyone knows um, Malt, which is on Macti Boy, sorry, right in the middle of D1, right behind the Viet Cong Bank Tower, right off of the Chong Hang Dao roundabout. And you would just go along and it would be packed. Like there would just be tables and chairs out the side, the whole sidewalk. And one of my favorite things as well, did you ever notice you could tell it was homemade rum because it was always a different strength? Oh yeah. Well, that, I mean, I could tell by the price that it was homemade. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> like no, that's I. I think I said exactly. It's bathtub rum. Like, <laughs> but the, we would go sometimes and like drink so much and not be drunk at all. And then other times, I got you. Yeah, okay. We'd have like a little bit. And we're like, what? so drunk. It was never like standard. But it came with uh, glass bottles of Coke. 
and then yep. kumquats, and which kumquats, were yeah. off the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just delicious, and it was cheap, and it was good food there. I remember the tofu. And so talking about the changes, these are, I remember as well, when I first came in 2016, um, there was a Beahoy place near there. I don't know if you ever went to the Beahoy. 100%. Tell us about, what, tell what is Beahoy and what did this Beahoy place look right. like? So Beahoy is still uh, pretty common in Hanoi. There are a lot of places up there. It's a lot harder to find in Saigon. Um, but the one that you mentioned, I remember going there a handful of times. And it was great because, you know, Saigon is a, is a very touristy city. So most locals are not phased at all by seeing a bunch of foreigners. But that Biahoy place in Saigon was the only place, I think, to my mind, in Saigon where you could go and the Vietnamese people would all, like, look up in shock. Like, what are these guys doing here? Like, this is... And not that if they were upset we were there. Like, they loved... <laughs> so Biahoy is is bathtub beer. They make it fresh every day. Uh, I think the literal translation is just fresh beer or gas beer. Um, and yeah, it's just really cheap uh, homemade beer that they sell in these plastic jugs and it's dirt cheap. <laughs> and it's, you know, as a craft beer guy, some people might think that I would be opposed to this. It's the opposite. I love it. It's just a, it's a different kind of beer experience and also a fun one. The strength is pretty low, so you, you need to drink a lot before you, but it's just the, the energy of being there. Uh, you get a little buzz right away, even without the beer. It's just, it's such an awesome social experience. So my favorite Biahoy memory was uh, up in Hanoi. We were, it was the end of the trip. We were coming back down and I can't even remember who I was with. Uh, like, most memorable, right? Um, but I was with a few guys and we just had a few hours to kill before going to the airport. So we just sat at this little Biahoy and just jug after jug after jug after jug of this not great tasting, but also <laughs> very fun uh, homemade beer. I think it's less than 3%, somebody told me. And yeah, I've had experiences well, when you just drink jugs of it. Sure. And you know, you can always be nostalgic about things and uh, and that place is not there anymore. I don't even think the building's there anymore. Mm. My memory of it was it was one of the filthiest places I've ever been to in my oh, life. Oh yeah, it, it was, was not just dirty, but also the... The the walkway to the toilet in the back was one of the most treacherous paths I've ever That's seen right. in my life. Yeah. It's all like cracked and <laughs> sharp stuff coming out of it. And I was like, Ugh, maybe I'll hold it until next place. I always feel in any culture, even in the West, we always um romanticize the past and people can be anti-gentrification. And, and that's one of it. You're like, oh, this place was so cool. But like, was it? It was it. it right. It was well, I mean, that's I I, th- I think that's one of my worst vices at nostalgia. <laughs> I, I overly romanticize uh, things that happen in the past, but also like you know, good memories. Obviously, you yeah. don't you don't focus on the bad memories; you focus <laughs> on the good ones. Um, but to to your point about uh, gentrification, I was just talking about this last night uh, with a friend of mine. I, I blame I blame us. I blame craft beer. She was commenting on how how much more expensive it is to live in Saigon now. And, you know, you can still live cheaply here if you eat local food all the time. And, like, you know, it's the the options for cheap stuff is still there. But there's also a lot more expensive places and rents have gone up, obviously. And I was like, yeah, it's like craft beer. It's gentrification. It's a good point because I feel, again, going back to maybe 10 years when you first came here, you had almost no option but to live cheaply because right. you didn't have any other options, right? Right. Kind of the only, and that was my other uh point about how it is a lot to do like i'm not entirely joking it's a lot to do with craft beer because when i first got here there was 
Um, there were really cheap, kind of filthy uh, bars where you could drink on the street, which is what we opted for most of the time. There were like a couple sports bars, not many. Um, and then these really high-end rooftop places that were just gouge you for like the prices they charge for the cocktails and the and the and the beer Saigon was literally outrageous. Yeah. So that there was no like middle ground. There were no like mid-tier just like like malt you mentioned. Yeah, like just a nice pub with reasonable prices and good cocktails. There was none of that 10 years ago. Um and Pasteur Street specifically and craft beer in general really helped to drive that kind of middle tier drinking culture where it's more expensive than Bihoy or a BSI gone on the street, but not as like gougy and ridiculous as these uh, these rooftop bars that some people would like to go to. That and that was to your point about you couldn't spend money back then. You could, but you had to work pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, right. you, and you had to go to. These these awful rooftop. And you'd be spending a lot of money on something that's not that great. Yeah. Whereas now you can spend more money and it, you're gonna get really good yeah, quality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can get value for your money yeah. now. Yeah. I always remember one of the things you told me when we first met was uh, you were excited when I'm not gonna name them in case we get <laughs> sued. I don't think we would get sued, but you got excited about a certain Dutch beer that came here in a green bottle, which is probably one of the most disgusting beers I've ever tried mainstream so deal. specific to that it was it was that it was on tap oh, i was on tap yeah Not so bottled? at the oh. time you could only get on tap the tiger no, i mean tiger was everywhere yeah uh san miguel at a handful of places not many and that's it like i don't even remember seeing bsi gone on tap like that's only by the yeah, bottle it's more, everything's mostly cans here bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so th- yeah the first time i saw that draft tower of the dutch beer i was just like oh a semi-decent beer <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> Do you cringe at that now that you said that? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it just speaks to the state of yeah. of the beer scene at the time. It's not that... And there, there are far worse commercial pilsners than... The, than that, that one? That, than that one. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as me and Misha walked down a little bit of memory lane there. Uh, Rumbar is still there, so go check it out. And just remember, if you like this episode, if you like the podcast, go and follow, subscribe from wherever you listen from and go to the Vietnam is Awesome website, vietnamisawesome.com and you can book a tour in Saigon. Cheers.